don't know about you, but I find it very consoling that when God came to earth, he told us these stories. In other words, that when the Son of God wanted to communicate or explain to us how the Father sees us, his creatures, his children, he told these stories, he explained it this way. All the readings today have to do with forgiveness, whether from the book of Exodus when Moses pleads with God on the mountain to forgive the sin of idolatry of the people, or Paul recognizing his own experience of forgiveness, that he had persecuted the church and even uh, condoned the killing of Christians, and now he was made the first great apostle to the Gentiles, that God had totally changed his life by forgiving him and reconciling him. And then our gospel today, of course, Jesus telling the story of the, of the shepherd the, that goes after the one lost sheep or the woman who goes after the one lost coin or the father who runs after his one lost son. These are all stories of redemption and recovery, reconciliation. But especially in the gospel, these stories that Jesus tells are about forgiveness, especially the last one, the prodigal son. But first and foremost, they're about God's pursuit of his children, especially his lost children. Like the first story Jesus tells us, the the, the shepherd, he says, what man among you, if he had a hundred sheep and lost one of them, wouldn't leave 99 in the desert and run after the the lost one? Well, it's like sarcasm almost. Jesus is saying nobody would do that. You know, if you're just running the numbers game, you're trying to be a shepherd and make some money, you're not going to risk losing 99 to go after one. But he says, that's what God's love is like. Like he values each and every one of his sheep, like they're worth the whole bunch. Or this woman who lost one of her 10 coins, and then she spends all day uh, sweeping the house and looking under furniture, trying to find the the lost coin. She could have gone out and worked and made another coin (laughs) in a job. And then when she finds it, she throws a party, which probably had to cost more than a coin, right? So, like, these stories are almost jokes, but they're to show how reckless God's love is, how much he values us, much more than a sheep or a coin. And then, of course, the masterpiece of Luke's gospel, Luke 15, we have the prodigal son, this parable that Jesus tells. When the Pharisees and and others who consider themselves righteous are annoyed with Christ because he's welcoming, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners, people that they thought were irredeemable, unforgivable. And Jesus tells the story of a father who has two sons, one of whom says, Father, give me your inheritance now. Give me my share of the inheritance. He has one older brother. And of course, he would, he would get half. And so he takes his half and he runs off. But this whole story, what Jesus is trying to communicate to his audience is a a hatred for this guy. Because in the Jewish culture at the time, to say something like that to your father, give me my inheritance now, in effect was saying, will you hurry up and die already? I want you dead so I can have your stuff. It's the most disrespectful thing you could do. It was the first commandment after the, the top three, all have to do with God. The fourth commandment is honor your father and mother. That's the highest duty you have to another human being was to your mother and father. And this son is wishing his father was dead so he could take his stuff. And then not only that, he runs off with that stuff and wastes it all on prostitutes and loose living. And then he finds himself, the only thing he can do to make a living now is tend swine. You don't know, I don't know if you know about kosher, but tending swine, pig farming... 
not exactly high on the Jewish list of jobs. He's at the very bottom. And he's hungry. He's jealous of the pigs because at least they get to eat the slop and he's starving. And so he figures out, maybe I'll just go home. The people in the town might stone me to death for being such a horrible human being, but at least I won't starve to death out here. And my, my father's hired workers at least make enough to, to eat. So I'll just go back. And, I'll, and he thinks of this speech. And as he's going back, the father sees him. And we realize the father's been waiting this whole time for his son to come back. And as he comes over the brow of the hill, his father watching from the tower sees him and he runs out, lifting up his robe. He would have been dressed something like this, an old uh, person in that time, dressed in his finery, his robes. He would have lifted him up and run. Imagine if I was running in these vestments, how silly I would look. Okay, that's the father humiliates himself in order to welcome his son back and puts a ring on his finger, slaughters the fattened calf and throws a big party. He doesn't even wait for the son to give his speech. He doesn't even wait to make sure his son is really, really sorry for what he's done. He's just so thrilled to be back, he throws this big party. Then, of course, his older brother, not too happy about that, right? He says, I've always done what you told me to do, and you never even gave me a goat to eat, right? You didn't let me party with my friends, and now you're throwing this big party for this son of yours? He doesn't even consider him his brother. This son of yours who swallowed up your property with prostitutes? What's the deal? And the father... Just like he wants his prodigal son in the house, he wants his annoying, self-righteous son in the house. He says, son, everything I have is yours, but your brother was dead and now he's alive. Come share our joy. He just wants everybody in the house, whether it's sheep or coins or sons. He sees the value in us even when we don't. And that's permission to come back again, to come home no matter where we've been. Last week, do you remember when Jesus says, you have to hate your father and mother, you have to love me more than them, you have to put me above all else in order to be my disciple? Christ is very demanding. But thank God he's also very accepting. He's probably more demanding than any other human being on this earth, but he's more accepting, more loving, more unconditionally uh, accepting than anyone else on this earth. We have to hold these two things in tension. Because I think if we examine our hearts, we know we're made for more. All of us, want some kind of fresh start. I was talking to somebody recently. They were telling me about a time in their life when they were just going down the wrong path and they found themselves just repeating the same old behaviors over and over and over again that were self-destructive, self-defeating, and making them depressed and miserable. And there there were several times during that time in their life when they would look in the mirror and just say, I want a do-over. I want to go back and start over again and do it different. Have we ever felt that way? I know when I'm, when I'm late to something and I'm on the highway and stuck in traffic, I'm like, I want to start this day over and leave earlier. <laughs> like all sorts of times in our lives we realize, I messed it up. I want to do it over in big things and in little things. Well, God says you can have a do-over. But here's the thing. What would you do with your do-over? What would I do with my do-over? More than likely, I'd probably mess it up again. If I was just on my own, even if I could start a million times, I would never get it perfect. I would never live the perfect life. I would never do everything that I knew that I should do or avoid the things that I shouldn't do. But that's the thing is that it's not about just getting it right. God is not just letting us hit the reset button so we can try again. That's not what his forgiveness is. 
What he's trying to do is to get us in his house. What Jesus was criticized for, why he told these stories, was because he was eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners, people he thought that, that the society thought were garbage. He was eating and drinking with them, and they answered his invitation. They wanted to be with him. Why did the prodigal son come back? Because he was starving to death. Why does the older brother get mad? Because he never got to take some food with him in some other part. Give me a goat so I can go party with my friends. The father says, no, the food's here. Come eat with me. Because out there, you're just going to starve to death. I could give you a goat. I could give you half my stuff. I could give you everything I have. If you go out on your own and you lose me, you're dead. But come into my house. Eat and drink with me. My friends, that's the Eucharist. That's the church, God's house. He's trying to bring us all in. And no matter where we've been, no matter how far we've gone or for how long, he wants us back. And if we feel far from him right now, he's inviting us back into his house for a fresh start, a do-over. But not just another one, another try to do it on your own, but to come back to eat and drink with him and live in the Father's house.